Hey, your dudes, and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club. I mean, the Doors Dudes. Or, well, the Doors Dudes version of the 27 Club. Uh, we're thick in doordom. Uh, we've gone through several. We have a couple more to go through. It's just a long hallway full of doors here uh, at this point in the show. Uh, and it's the show hosted by your <laughs> hosted by your your favorite Pete and your second favorite. Do it again. Okay, fine. Hosted by your co-favorite Pete and your other co-favorite PJ. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> that's that's a little nicer. Yeah. Now. I like the word doordom. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like that as well. Ugh, well, well, Pete. Yeah? How the hell are you, PJ? Oh, I'm mighty fine here, Pete. Um, you know, listen to the doors all week. Uh, and now I'm ready to talk about it, which is kind of how every week goes. It's kind of how me. this show is, yeah. is set up, yeah. It and is how pretty are you, nice. Pete? I, I am good. I listen to I listen to a lot of music this week, PJ, including the Doors, and uh, uh-huh. it was a it was a good time. I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to the Doors for the first time in. Well, I guess I kind of enjoyed Soft Parade, but it's well, very it's very hit or miss with the Doors. So and that's it, it, true. It often feels like homework. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's yeah. much like that middle part of both the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys' careers. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, but it, instead we're like three albums into this band's <laughs> career. Yeah. And we're already feeling like it's the it's that. the mid-70s doldrums when someone yeah. tried to stop taking heroin for an album and that didn't help. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's no You good. know, what I've learned is you never stop taking heroin. True. It stays, it's like gum. It stays in your bloodstream for like 20 years. Yeah. Well, and then you're just better, you know, when yeah. you're doing it. Right. That yeah, it's, it's good for you. They don't tell you that. But once you once you have the dependency, you're actually better off. I read it's on our like slash QAnon oh, that yeah. um, heroin is actually really good <laughs> and so much better. Still let that that exist. Yeah, oh, okay, so much better good. than uh, vaccines for you. Sure. But it, they both give you autism, which is kind of the interesting. Downside. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's rough, man. That is real rough. You know, PJ, I like to say we're all a little bit on the spectrum. <laughs> uh, and you can find that t-shirt at uh, teespring.com. <laughs> oh, well, welcome to the 27 Club. Uh, as I as I bumbled through the intro, uh, you maybe were confused. What, what am I listening to? Uh, but it is the 27 Club where we're going through every yes, member, yes. every single member ever part of the 27 club um and right now we are thick in the middle of talking through jim morrison's career as lead singer of the doors um or as i wrote in the description of the last episode jim morrison's the doors (laughs) jim morrison's the doors that's right um and uh you know jim where we last left him this poor fella was just being beaten down by the man and the system for potentially flashing his penis at a live concert. And <laughs> Which, it's really, okay. it's so, it's tough on this guy. We've you know? all done it. He has it. a hard time. Well, 
I hope it's not a hard time. Um, you know, wait, yeah, is it better? Is it more indecent exposure if you're erect or less? Or is well, yeah. then you do can't they, show do it they on draw television. that line when they yeah. when they charge you for indecent exposure? I wonder. If it if it's soft, you can show it on cable television. If it's hard, you can only show it on like mm. Cinemax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. Um, but you know, who hasn't flashed their dick out on stage mm-hmm. at at a camp talent show? At sure. Um, well, we did our we did a couple live episodes, the Beach Boys live episode. You know, live from um, somewhere I forget where, and then probably um, Disneyland. Yeah, what the fuck was it? I don't remember. And then that live Rolling Stones episode from inside, I think it yes. was at the Royal Albert Hall in the middle of COVID. We we filled it. <laughs> Something so, like yes. that. So, um, you know, so we've done a couple live episodes and, and you better believe, you know, just looking forward to this new show because we have the next 10 years of this show mapped That's out. That's true. So everyone, yeah. you know, we're constantly doing flash forwards, flashbacks. Uh, what we've am I trying to Foreshadowing. We're foreshadowing. Yeah. And uh, something about foreskin. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I got. It's a slow start for me here today, <laughs> but now if you I want know to there's finish a joke that there. joke, yeah, <laughs> Peter has <laughs> laid in. out the puzzle pieces for you. That's right. If you want yeah. to put that together, write us at beachboysboys at gmail dot com. That's right. That's right. Well, PJ. Um, let me ask you a question. Did you, do you think, what was the, now what was the most um, impactful maybe door that you went through this week while listening to The Doors? Oh, yeah, that is interesting. It's, uh, you know, their name just, it's really got me thinking about doorways and sort of portals in my life. Like when mm-hmm. I walk from like, let's say my bedroom into the bathroom, I pass through two separate doorways and it's Whoa. like, what does that mean in terms of, you know, I have to go through two doorways and then I have to go back through both doorways. So it's four doors just to use the bathroom. You know, that and was the know, original humans, name of the band, The, the four, four Doors. The Four Doors just to use the bathroom. <laughs> um, and, you know, as, as ancient humans, we had, to, we had to pass through zero doors to use that. You could just piss anywhere you wanted. And so it's really, it's got me thinking about mankind, about society, you know, and just about expectations and, and really what's important to me. And I've realized doors, they're one of those things that's imposed. And, yeah. and it's really just a sign of kind of kind of the world putting a box around you. A literal doors? a literal rectangle. Yeah. Doors, shoes, yeah. doors. And mm-hmm. roofs. That's right. Know? Doors, shoes, and roofs. You can and just you know live what? on yeah. on the roof. You of course you, you can don't, live on the roof. You don't need something above. PJ, you. there are no doors on the roof. And I think that was really Jim was trying to live a life free from the doorways that society Any put doors. upon him, yeah. you know? And that's why the roof was such an important place because yeah. we have not established this by a fact, but I can only assume that his door or his roof access was just via an outside ladder. So there was or no doorway. Or climbing a tree is what I've yeah. got in my mind. You know, for that he, summer, we know several things about Jim's summer that summer, but one, he lived on a roof. He only ate amazing. beans and he did a lot of LSD and he wrote some poems. He also had several interpersonal battles with seagulls and also different like tribes of seagulls at war with each yeah. other and he had to kind of navigate all sides. But and at least 3 crows. Exactly. But one emissary from the albatross contingent out in over the water. Yeah. So one thing though we know for certain as well that summer is that he refused to walk through a doorway. 
he would stand outside the grocery store and be like, just throw me the beans and I'll throw you, I'll throw you the money back. Just I'll just roll toss them. you. Yeah. Roll the cans out to me. And the cashiers were like, I, I guess, man, we got nothing else going on. This is actually like the third weirdest thing to happen to us today in 1967 LA. Yeah. And we're, yeah, we're on Venice, man. A lot of weirder <laughs> yeah. shit happens. Yeah. That's right. It's those guys, you know, those beach boys might come in at any time, do wopping their way around the store. So <laughs> Jim asking yeah. for the cans to be rolled out to him is is not that hard for them. At, we thought the, the beach the boys were a gang for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just really intimidating when they do those beautiful harmonies at us. That's right. That's right. So most impactful door I've been that's through right. to get yeah, back, back to the back point. to the yeah, back to the really good the great question that I asked that I posed. I would say the most important door I've gone through is the door of enlightenment. I read an mm. Immanuel Kant book, you see. Sure. And Immanuel Kant says that the the doors to enlightenment in our lives are much mm. like um, the birds of a feather that f- flock together. And I think that's really deep. And I think uh, Jim Morrison had that in mind when he was mm-hmm. not going through doors, but battling seagulls. That's right. That's interesting. And that really mm-hmm. wraps up uh, what we call the um, the 27 Club Salon, uh, where we invite enlightened thinkers from around our communities uh, to sort of just sit together and discuss the leading, uh, the, le- the thought leaders of today. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, and drink tea. So, and get our hair done. And yeah. get, <laughs> get our hair done. <laughs> Braid each other's hair. Yeah. Um, so... PJ or give each other buzz cuts, I guess. Either way, it's kind of like a weird fight club slash sleepover vibe. It's very, it's very confusing to be on. Like, there's a lot of different energies yeah. happening. There. I mean, we're yeah. beating the shit out of each other, but we are giggling. That's so right. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you you get you get anything under the sun. Yeah. Ooh, Adore's album. I um, I'd rather listen to anything under the sun rather than that Doors album. Am I right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Good one. It's a bad one. Well, the album was a bad one. That was a good joke. Terrible album. And thank you, PJ. Well, PJ, like I said, Jim, poor, poor old James Morrison is, you know, just having to live with the consequences of an action he potentially did not do. And like, like many white men, it's kind of hard for him for a second. And then it's, and then it's basically all fine. Um, so, well, actually, I mean, it kind of for the band, I guess it's hard for a second, and then all fine. Jim Jim does end up having to go to court, which we'll we'll get to in the next episode. Oh shit! He has to go to court once. He has to, he has to go to court. Uh, yeah, he does not dress up. Apparently, he wears a like Native American style like wool jacket. Um, that sounds right. To court, which I don't know why that's mentioned in the thing I was reading about his court appearance. Like, I guess just that he wasn't like wearing a suit or something. I don't know. Well, what I would like to Jim, I guess, didn't know what you. people know now, which is if you're a white dude who's going to court for something you did, you just you you wear a nice little white boy suit and you cry and act so regretful of your action that they excuse all charges and then you get to go do it again if you want. It's really now, nice. it's really easy actually. Peter, on YouTube, I've been seeing a lot of uh, compilations of uh, Johnny Hep Depp's uh, defamation Johnny trial Hepburn. against his yeah. <laughs> Johnny Hepburn, as I, yeah. as his close personal friends like myself call him, but uh, Johnny Depp's uh, mm. uh, de- uh, defamation was so, yeah something like that defamation yeah. Uh, lawsuit against his former wife. 
I've been seeing a lot of compilations of uh, Johnny Depp being cute at his trial. Sure. Now, do you think people did that for Jim Morrison's trial? Yes. Yeah. They were just like, oh, and here's a moment where he where he pulled his dick out again <laughs> during the yeah. trial. So cute. He literally can't stop doing it. So fun and cute. Um, and then he wore a poncho, and you could still see his bulge underneath it. I knew it was out. There was no proof, but well, I knew. The poncho... I mean, I don't know what kind of poncho you're thinking of. I guess I'm like that. Ponchos don't cover a lot. A lot of times, like a lot of times, they kind of go down to your waist, and then it's just very open and wavy. And you know, yeah. You can... Ever heard of a rain poncho, Peter? You were imagining a rain poncho. I was imagining whatever I was imagining you're one thinking, of those cool, baby. You know, uh, good, bad, and the ugly ponchos. Does that not cover your dick? All right, let's Great do question. some research. Look it up, Clint Eastwood poncho. It's happening right now. And I'm going to look up long poncho, just so I'm right. Ball-covering poncho. What the fuck? I don't want anything about poncho via. Fuck poncho. No. Oh, wow. This lady's naked. Okay. Oh. Ooh. Sent me whatever you Googled. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to see naked women online, PJ. It's been very difficult. I can't figure out how to find them. Dude, it's hard. People keep we talking ask... about that they exist, but then I'm like, I Google it and I can't find it. Our friend Jake told me he knows how to get to it, so maybe we'll ask him next week. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I would say, in my imagination, the poncho was shorter than this. In reality, I it's, it. I think it covers his his dick and balls just from a plant from a standing. Uh, perspective, but as soon as there's any movement at all, you're going to be seeing a lot underneath. Is what I well, would say. About that's this when poncho. he tucks it back in. I thought uh, he was I naked to... under the poncho. <laughs> I'm confused. Well, his dick was out. He was yeah. wearing pants, though. He's not a monster. Leather pants, of course. That's true. Well, for only $150, I can get the man with no name poncho from jacketscreator.com. <laughs> oh, that sounds that super sounds legit. So legit. If you type in the man, mm-hmm. uh, at least on my Google, the man with no name poncho is the first thing that it autocorrects to. Wow, damn. And actually, that's pre- I you know don't care for Clint Eastwood, but that's a cool poncho. It does not say what the material is. I ordered this jacket for my boyfriend, and it is so good. It's perfect to wear outdoors. <laughs> what fucking nerd is just wearing this poncho around? Yeah, honestly, if I what saw something in a poncho, a unless they were legitimately a cowboy, uh, and it was, you know, like 1840. Um, uh, or a person pro- of Latino heritage. But that's a different poncho. I'm talking specifically this mm, poncho. Gotcha. If you're wearing that, I'm going to say, well, what a fucking nerd. But also, I want it really bad. So I mean, you know. look, as a piece of clothing, it's probably both practical and comfortable. But I agree. Fucking nerd is the only way you can describe someone who actually wears that out and about in 2022. Honestly, unless you have... You don't even need to be a real cowboy. Unless you have the entire getup, though. Mm-hmm. You look like a douche. Because I imagine most... You know, the dude who's girlfriend uh bought it for him right he's he's wearing like gym shorts and a fucking t-shirt underneath that and i bet yeah. it looks horrendous that's part of his like, like backpacking outfit is he like i throw on my poncho when we when we like make camp yeah <laughs> like he, he needs a pocket specifically for hacky sacks yeah 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 <laughs> so anyway so jim wears a poncho to court 
But um, so right after the uh, alleged, the so-called penis flash. <laughs> um, it's so weird that it's like, it's so weird that we don't really actually like know for sure. It's such a, such an odd thing. But um, you would think there would be like a historical, I mean, is the agreed upon thing that he did it? I think so. Yeah. All right. But is that just like rock lore though? Or is it actually like other members of the band say that, yeah, he did, you know, cause like 20 years later or whatever, who cares after he's dead, it'd be weird to keep it hidden, which is kind of why it's, it's so weird to me that it's hard to find a straight answer. That is a very good point. Um, you know, it's like, is there any other mystery like this? Well, the, a lot of, um, a lot of ancient aliens mysteries. That well, yeah, no, we've solved oh, okay. those. It's aliens, Pete. That's um, true. Okay, I'm just gonna Google the simple phrase: Did Jim Morrison actually pull his penis out? <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so here we go. Dangerous. I don't think I trust DangerousMinds.net. <laughs> what about FarOutMagazine.com? Yeah, there we go. That's the maybe something from Rolling Stone. Although Rolling Stone is not necessarily the okay. All right. Your most controversial performance ever. Wow, they this article from Far Out Magazine claims that the penis incident <laughs> sets off a chain of events that would ultimately lead to Jim Morrison's death. And I don't know, I cannot agree with that. Like, I don't even know much about his death yet. I haven't done that research yet, but there's no fucking way. The he was penis so flash. bummed and yeah. ashamed that he had done that. Yeah. All right. The speculation as to why speculation and then allegedly. Okay. Here's the things, by the way, that drew the tabloid press to Jim Morrison. Long hair. Okay. So every hippie. Leather trousers. Okay. So like 70% of hippies. (laughs) A penchant for poetry. Okay. So like 50% of hippies. And a refusal to conform. Okay. 100% of hippies. Yeah. So how is he different? I do not understand. All right. Anyway. Uh, Let's see. Penis, penis, penis. So Ray Manzarek actually described the incident as a mass religious hallucination due to the mm-hmm. soaring temperatures inside. So Ray Manzarek denies it, not to no. this day because he's dead. A lot dead, of this but... stuff is the research I found, which must mean that the person who wrote the Wikipedia page used this as a source. Yeah. Okay. So the, apparently it happened when he started to... I love that we're covering this over like three episodes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's a great... It's a testament to the research that I do that we keep having to look it up. Um, so when apparently when be, he started taking his shirt off and stuff, which we talked about and like encouraged people to get undressed, yeah. that's apparently allegedly when his dick came out. But no like one... Like anybody. When asked if he exposed his penis... The manager also refused the claims as pure rumors. I mean, yeah. no one in the group saw him do it. Morrison said he did it, but not on stage. Like he had been tucking in his shirt or something, and he, it might have slipped a little, <laughs> but off stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that in another thing that he says, like, yeah, it came out, but it wasn't on stage, which is such a weird, like, off to the side, I guess. He you was know, also like, drunk as shit, so. Right. Uh, oh, okay, so. <laughs> Some people in the crowd claim he said, quote, you came for something else, didn't you? You came, you didn't come to rock and roll. You came for something else. You want to see my cock, don't you? How many people claim that? If it's a lot, then he did it for sure. 
yeah, it doesn't, it's not clear, but that would be wild. All right. Um, Jim Morrison's kind despite of the guy, claims huh? of thousands in attendance, which like that's not that they didn't interview thousands of people. That doesn't make any sense. Thousands yeah. of people have not claimed that. Um, or at least not on the record anywhere. But Morrison and the rest of the doors always refuted the suggestions that he exposed his penis. They hallucinated. I, this is from Ray. They hallucinated. I swear yeah. the guy never did it. He never whipped it out. <laughs> Look, he would do it all the time in other instances. So that's how yeah. I know for sure it didn't happen this time. He would he would put it on my shoulder and call it my little parrot, but yeah. Yeah. he never did it on stage. Yeah, so despite the denial, they issued a warrant for his arrest under the claims that he deliberately exposed his penis, simulated oral sex on Robbie Krieger. We should never forget that. And drunk no. at the time of his performance. Well, yeah. that's the thing where he said that he was just admiring his playing close up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Which what? is fantastic. I mean, to be fair, I guess I keep talking about we'll get to the trial next episode, but... We're just going to keep talking about it bit by bit. To be fair, he is convicted, but also it was by like, but how do you, how do you convict someone of doing that when there's la- like literally no evidence? You know what I mean? You also it's can't so trust weird. those dirty 60s cops. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and that's the trial. I think we mentioned it when we talked about the, the concert initially. That's the trial that apparently most of the witnesses that were called were connected to the police station and they didn't have yeah. basically any like third party witnesses. They were all right yeah so still so i guess he's convicted for doing it although everyone claims he didn't so (laughs) i don't know how weird very strange yeah let's see about rolling stone oh this is from the 1969 article or 1969 rolling stone uh jim morrison finally let it all hang out at a concert in miami florida so funny um but do they actually say i mean they said it in the title pete so yeah the manager says no nothing happened it was just a crazy show but um but you're right like why would raymond zarek still deny it like years later even after jim was dead you know right wouldn't at some point you just be like look it yeah, might have happened or whatever out, yeah. or even just to be like yeah like look it was crazy he honestly it might have happened or something like but you know but he's adamant it did not happen yeah. which is interesting exactly okay so this is the manager this is kind of this is what you found i think the manager's quote like from from after the show i mean no one in the group saw him do it. Morrison said he did it, but not on stage. Like he was tucking in his shirt or something and he might have slipped a little, but off stage. And how the fuck does that happen? It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Yeah. A further problem with the tucking in the shirt explanation is that Morrison had already taken off his shirt by the time the incidents in question transpired. Mm, good point. Uh, the manager did recall that as Jim left the stage, he said something along the lines of, "Uh oh, I think I exposed myself." Wow. <laughs> uh oh. Oh. You know. Oh my god. It, it is unfortunate when when you tuck your dick up into your leather waistband and then tuck your shirt down into it over yeah. your penis. You know. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Oh. My our like 3-year-old niece. 
our three-year-old niece we've been hanging out with a lot lately and she like anytime something you know something falls off the table whatever just uh-oh <laughs> that's <laughs> uh-oh Immediately i think i exposed myself <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> all right let's see the guy who the proprietor of the concert of the auditorium said what did he say okay just before about 60 people crawled up on stage jim asked do you want to see my cock according to the the like show promoter okay and this is when he went into action he grabbed the microphone away from the singer um flashed the peace sign at the audience and said keep calm sit down keep quiet this can't happen we're not going to have this happen in miami (laughs) sit down (laughs) and while he was talking morrison was in action pushing people around the stage bellowing and pretending he was masturbating (laughs) okay um but the guy says he did not see his actual dick come out (laughs) okay so maybe people just thought they did because he was pretending to jerk off on them right where you know I could see the confusion. That's more than fair. What the fuck? There was some more tug of war with the microphone. Then Jim went one way. Shoving Is that the- what they're calling it these days? <laughs> yeah. Shoving more people around. And Collier, the, the promoter guy, went the other, ripped out amplifier cords, and kicked in the drums <laughs> to silence wow. the music. Um. Okay, what? There's no way all this actually happened. Okay, so Jim managed to push Collier's brother off the stage into the audience. Then he backed... Why was he on the stage? I know. So then he backed into a colleague named Larry Pitsy, who has a black belt in karate. Cool. And he grabbed Jim by the arms and flipped him head over heels in a perfect arc off the front of the stage into the audience. Okay, why was there, none of this? There is no way. What the fuck? So now the house lights are up, the music's off, and the audience begin to file out slowly and quietly. Well, there's no way that's true. Morrison, who wasn't hurt by being thrown off stage, <laughs> picked himself up and left. There were several off-duty police on hand, but they made no arrests. Uh, they were afraid if the cops came on stage, it would have caused more trouble. So a Miami Herald thing. reporter, a Rolling Stone interviewed, said they weren't offended by the obscenity, but was more worried that it seemed like he was trying to start a riot. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But what the fuck? They call him the king of orgasmic rock. That's cool. Oh, man, he took my nickname. Um, I personally don't want to see Morrison on. hung is a quote not about his dick. <laughs> in this whole in this article are we uh, sure about that yeah 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 well anyway that's fascinating i'm not to i'm kind of surprised i didn't find this in the first place to be honest but anyway um so he's dealing with the fallout of this immediately after this they take a break because the rest of their tour gets canceled i think we talked about some of right. their shows being postponed or whatever but yeah apparently the whole the whole tour got canceled 
uh, in the U.S., there was a March for Decency in Florida, like, a few days after. Um, and then they also were sa- facing, like, they got radio bans in a lot of markets. They had they faced, like, soft bans when they tried to reschedule some shows in a lot of more conservative areas where they just wouldn't, like, they couldn't schedule shows. Yeah. Um, so they, they do get back into... I don't know. Like, like they definitely still have their own their own audience, and uh, they're still able to tour and stuff. And then their next album that we're talking about today helps them kind of break back into uh, popularity. I guess it, it does kind of feel like yeah. If they, if their next album just like really sucked, they might have all of that combined might have really hurt their career. Yeah. And but. Jim Morrison would never be in the Twenty Seven Club. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we know, the penis flash it it that did it, it. doomed him. Yeah. The, he flashed his penis, and then the same guys who killed JFK from the grassy knoll, mm-hmm. they were sent to go kill him in France in 1971. Right. Well, we all know if you flash your penis, you do eventually die, and it's a direct <laughs> cause of that. No matter how you die, no matter how later, how much later, it's a direct cause of that. So. Yeah, if you flash your penis, you will die. Yeah. Um, and you can find that T-shirt at be- or at uh, teespring.com slash yeah. the triple B podcast. That's right. Um. Oh, one other thing, by the way, kind of bringing up, I forget if it was last week or the week before where we talked about like Jim gained some weight, started dressing more quote unquote casually by not wearing yeah, leather was, pants anymore. That was last week. Um, I found another Wikipedia writer called his leather pants stage leathers, which is what? just a fantastic phrase to me. That brings up like so much connotation that I think is not what he was doing, but... It was, it's pretty great. Uh, so I'm just going to start calling them his stage leathers and wish I'd known that phrase good. when we started the show. <laughs> so Jim ditched his stage leathers. Okay, so they they take a little bit of time off, but they do they get back to touring like really quickly. Just they you know realize whatever they got to try and get their uh, get their groove back, get their audience back. So yeah. But when they go into the studio later in 1969, they do they take the backlash to Soft Parade uh, to heart when they go into the studio. So they realize they should simplify their process, you know, simplify their sound, ditch the orchestration and like that, you know, over the top art rock stuff. Interesting. That's what they gleaned from um, the Soft Parade. They were like. Get rid of all of the trumpets and everything that sounded good. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't what the critics liked. So uh, they okay. read the reviews, I guess. Um, and critically, or at least for Doors fans, I don't know about for us right now, but crucially, Jim is much more involved on this album. He writes or co-writes every song on this record. Uh, for okay, the first damn. time, I would think since this, for the first time ever, really. Because even Light yeah. My Fire Off, the first one, was just a Krieger joint. So Yeah, Krieger's crept his way into a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. So, and the, yeah, the last one was like, Krieger wrote like five, I think. So, anyway. Um, so, Jim is back uh, much more involved. And, you know, as a result, they are more the doors than they used to be or something. Um, during recording... Uh, the recording process was pretty straightforward. I think this is the first album since like their first one that we haven't talked about them like fighting with each other or there being yeah. a tumultuous recording process. <laughs> um, but apparently 
um, we have a Pamela Corson story from this uh, recording. So Jim and Pamela were like together during during this time, um, but also apparently were arguing a lot. Um, so just to kind of get a, a view into their like kind of crazy relationship, basically. Um, so apparently one day in the studio, Jim brought in the, this bottle of liquor. I assume whiskey. I guess I don't actually know what he drinks, but Wait, it was like what everyone bring drink in? whiskey. Liquor? liquor? I barely know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he brought yeah. it in a bottle and Pam ended up drinking it all. Uh, and he got really mad at her and was yelling at her and was like shaking her and just being really intense about it. And she was saying like, I, I did it because you, you drink too much and, you know, all this. So she's going to be drunk instead. Well, I don't know. My, my girlfriend tries to pull the same shit with stuff in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Like she'll eat the last tapioca pudding and be like, I think you eat too much tapioca pudding. <laughs> yeah, and then right. I shake her and throw her against the wall. But, you know, Sometimes you're married, I, you yeah. know. Right. Sometimes when I leave a trail of raisins around the house for me to then follow and pick up later to eat as a fun, like, little snack and adventure, Shelby yeah. will walk by and just eat them instead of me. And I'll be like, what the? I'll get to the middle of the trail and it'll just be gone. It'll be like, what the and you, fuck is happening? You won't happening? know how to get back to the bedroom. This is horseshit. Yeah. So, anyway. But, so this was at the very end of a day of recording and. The, en- the engineer, like, there was this engineer who was the last person in the studio and had to interrupt this fight awkwardly to be like, hey, uh, God, everyone's gone. We, we're leaving. Like, I'm locking up. We're all leaving. And apparently Jim just said, oh, okay, we'll leave. And they, like, hugged each other and left. And, hmm. yeah. So, and then apparently the engineer apparently said that Jim would always, like, whenever there was, like, a fight or some awkward moment, he would always, like, gauge everyone's reaction around them in a weird way where he would be like huh. looking at people to be like are you watching us yeah. so. was this too much so so fucking weird but what what can you say i don't know um anyway so morrison hotel uh i do not know why like I don't really know the origin of this, whether Morrison Hotel came just because they saw that apparently there is a real hotel named the Morrison Hotel in L.A. Yes, yes. And then they end up doing this thing where each half of the album is like is um, labeled as the first half is called Hard Rock Cafe and the second half is called Morrison Hotel. And like mm. that's what they end up doing. The photo cover is Morrison Hotel and the back photo is the Hard Rock Cafe. But, like, I don't understand whether that... I don't think it's something they came up with beforehand because this album definitely is not broken up into, like, distinct sections. It's all kind of one thing. So I think they were just being cute and thinking they were being fun, but it's, like, a very Doors level of fun where it isn't... Um, Isn't that fun, No. So, yeah, so they went to do the photo at the Morrison Hotel, and apparently they said, no, you cannot take a photo here. (laughs) Um... And so they just waited till the desk clerk like walked away to do something and took the photo anyway, which is kind of great. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. And also makes me wonder like, um, what's their record label again? I always I forget. Wouldn't um, they have gotten sued immediately or like you know, Electra? Wouldn't they have gotten tr- in trouble the minute that album drops and the Morrison Hotel is like, hey, what the fuck? You're making money off our not. name. I, I mean, it was the. Seven. 
1970 this came out February 1970. It was 1970 you know it was a different time I don't it think was really still the 60s like PJ that. um th- until 75 <clears throat> so know, and f- from what I remember from being a Doors fan is that they <laughs> they did just see the hotel and take yeah. a picture of it because they were like oh that's kind of funny and mm-hmm. then they took a picture and they're like wow, mm-hmm. that's a really good picture why don't we use that one and that's like the yeah. story behind the name of it. I do like it much more than I thought that they somehow came up with this fun concept of what if there was a hotel owned by Jim Morrison and like, you know, made a window with his name on it and stuff. Like that's what I was imagining it was. So yeah, this no, is apparently they walked by and just took a picture. From what I remember, right? Oh, okay. Well, and then apparently after that photo, they walked to the Hard Rock Cafe a few blocks over, which was a bar in L.A. that was started in the '30s. Um, that was just called that, uh, and Jim, cause Jim wanted to get a drink surprise. Um, and yeah, so the photographer so like took a few photos of them outside there and that ended up being the back cover. And then interestingly, after this album came out, there was this group in London that were trying to start a rock and roll themed, uh, restaurant chain yeah. <laughs> and saw that back cover and said, Hey, wait a minute. That's a cool name. So oh, that's how the Hard Rock fuck. Cafe started. It, all <laughs> thanks to the doors. All thanks Holy to the shit. doors, man. Yeah. I mean, the Hard Rock Cafe is good, but it's nothing like uh, Ron. Not is it Ron Wood? Oh no no no, Bill. It's Bill. Bill Wyman's yeah. Sticky Fingers that's Wing right. Restaurant. No, it's really not. God, what if Sticky Fingers would become the huge chain? Yeah, because apparently the first Hard Rock Cafe was started in London in 1971. And then it took them eight years to go international, which is wild. But then in like five years after that, they had a million locations. So, And Peter, you ever been to a Hard Rock Cafe? Fuck no. Oh, I Actually, kind of crazily, I, when I was a younger kid, it would have I would have yes. loved it. I would have been so excited. And but, that's when I went. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't because I went to a, a handful. You know, we definitely didn't have them where I grew up in sunny Anaheim, but... When I went on some trips as a kid, like, I'm really surprised. I went to, like, L.A. when I was younger, and, like, Phoenix, I'm sure, has one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to Phoenix when I was younger. Like, I'm surprised, you know, me and my dad never went to one, because I'm sure I I would have loved it. 15, and I went to one in Denver for the first Mm. time. And uh, it's like eating at Red Robin, but... um, Just all rock and roll themed. There's guitars everywhere, and... um, they were playing like some of the weirdest hard. I guess it, it was technically hard rock, but they were playing like puddle of mud, and I was oh, like, "Is weird. that what this place Shouldn't is it about? just be classic rock? Like, yeah, you would think so. Like the newest band in their playlist is well, it used to be the newest band in their playlist was Foo Fighters. Now the newest band in the playlist is Greta Van Fleet. But yeah, aside from like aside from that, the, the yeah, the songs that came out in the two thousands are few and far between on that it should be on that in yeah. in restaurant radio hey pete here's a joke i've been workshopping um sure. if you're one of dave Grohl's blonde friends you better watch out is it too soon <laughs> no i like it okay. and in fact pj i love it and are there okay. are there actually any other blonde members of foo fighters no they're all brown haired yeah okay everybody, so they're all good everybody else. yeah <laughs> but yeah he's two for two yeah um that's what i'm saying I, I did forget, I actually have, I've been inside a Hard Rock Cafe, but we did not eat there. I think we literally wandered in just to, like, see the inside of it, and then maybe use the bathroom or something, and then left. But just, like, stood in the entryway and, like, looked at, I think they had, they had Adam Levine's guitar up there, and I. Wow. 
Yeah, I was young. I think I was like 17 or something, and I got a photo with Adam Levine's guitar because that was hilarious that that was like that the main thing. And in, funny. I think it was the like Hollywood, LA Hard Rock Cafe, which should be like one of the best ones you would think. So yeah. leading off with Adam Levine's guitar was a pretty great choice. The one I went to for sure had an Eric Clapton guitar. Oh, but yeah. then, Slow hand? And I was pretty Gotta. sure it was like the famous one. Mm. Um, Black Beauty? No, that's BB King's. Brownie. Brownie. I believe. Um, but, no, Lucila's BB King. Oh, yeah. There's a Black... Who's Black Beauty then? I'll look at it. I think that's also Eric Clapton. Oh, okay. I think you're right. Okay. His black and white Stratocaster. Yeah. yeah. But then, I also recently went to Mopop in Seattle, mm-hmm. and they also have that guitar. So were they just like a bunch of fucking liars or uh-huh. what who, jimmy pages all black les paul oh yeah that's yeah, yeah. right it's like black with a black pick guard and all that yeah okay you're right yeah anyway um yeah that's but, really but interesting eric clapton had blackie and brownie which makes sense because he's a racist right yeah um yeah i gotta think that like i mean because okay so guitar player like famous guitar players have five thousand guitars and so i gotta think that yeah like they'll just use one for like two years and then they'll like auction it off and hard rock cafe gets it and then yeah i don't know i pete townsend had a really crazy thing um not crazy thing but he there was an interview where pete townsend was talking and he was like a lot of people get like really mad when i smash up like a thirty five hundred dollar guitar but it's like after i smash it up it is then worth ten thousand dollars yeah yeah there you it's go. It's a good point. It's a good point, Pete. They get mad because every other guitar player, after instead of smashing up guitars, they just always they find a poor child in the audience and hand them that guitar, and they're like, "Here, that's, take this. This is yours now." That's and for then fucking losers. That's why you don't know <laughs> yeah. how to be a girl boss. Yeah, so true. All right. So the the rolling the, do we should we we have a segment on this show pj oh wait actually well sorry i just, lost my just notes tell me here. what you want pete man yeah we have a segment on this show uh called the rolling stone review and i, I think it's time for the rolling stone review this little thing called like a rolling stone <laughs> all right thanks jimmy um I do think we should do this before the album review because after the album right. review, I'm like, I'm into that music. And so then it's a weird, you know, thing to have this song. Anyway. I agree. I agree. So this one, the first, uh, I think the first uh, Doors review written by a name that I recognize, Lester Bangs wrote this ah, one. Yeah. One of the famously famous. Famously portrayed by Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's Rest right. In peace. That's right. Speaking of heroin. Um, so <laughs> Lester Bangs. Wrote this. It came out in April of 1970. They're at like a, what? That's like three months, man. Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, wait, no. Two months. Hmm, that's about right for them. Took them two months to come up with these opinions. Okay. So, Morrison Hotel. He likes it. Eh, kind of. So. That sounds right. So, he really, really loves the opening song. And then he says, from there on out, the road runs mainly downhill. It's a shame, too, because somehow I held high expectations for this album and wanted so badly to believe it would be good that I was afraid to listen to it when it was finally released. Um, so he says, Blue Sunday in 
Indian Summer are bad. He says Maggie McGill is bad. Uh, you Make Me Real is bad. And then he says, though, admittedly, these are the worst tracks. So four of the 10 are the worst tracks. Yeah, okay. He really likes Land Ho because it makes him smile, which is a weird thing for a Rolling Stone writer to admit. It's um, a weird thing for Lester Banks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just any, yeah, any like, yeah, uh, music critic from this era. I isn't there isn't like the best they're supposed to feel about an album like a a grim acknowledgement that yes, this is good. Yes, I do yeah. deem this good. You're not smiling at music. Come on, Lester. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Pussy. So this is how he wraps up. This could have been a fine album, but the unavoidable truth, and this seems to be an insurmountable problem for The Doors, is that so much of it is out of the same extremely worn cloth as the songs on all their other albums. Robbie Krieger's guitar and Manzarek's organ work and piano are the perfect complement to Morrison, but we've been there before more than a few times, and their, resource, their well of resources has proven a standing lake which is slowly drying up. Perhaps if they recombined into a different group, the brilliant promise of their first album and sporadic songs since then might be fulfilled, but for now, they can only be recommended to those with a personal interest. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting review. I think... What a fair review. I was about to say, definitely the most even-handed, like, well-reasoned review since Strange Days. And, oh, absolutely. And one of the more even-handed Rolling Stone reviews I think I've ever read, to be honest. Yeah. He's like, some goods, some songs are good, some songs are bad. I recommend it if you like The Doors, but if you don't like them, this isn't going to sway you. Like, <laughs> That's why he's the fucking one Rolling Stone writer that everybody knows the name of, you know? Maybe, although I feel like Lester Bangs got in on the, like, bashing Led Zeppelin crew, but nah, that was that also an right. editorial edict, I think, so I don't know if yeah. he can, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he could have gotten away from that. So, let me try and see. Let's see. What do we got here on Lester Bangs? Boy, Deep Purple. Do we want to hear what he thinks of Deep Purple's Machine Head? Sure. Um, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just trying to see if he did a Led Zeppelin review. He did Led, Ze Led Zeppelin three. He did get your yeah yeahs out, which we probably read on our on our uh, podcast. Yeah, I believe yah yahs is the. It's yeah yahs. All right, what did he think of Led Zeppelin three? He has a love hate attitude toward Led Zepp. Yeah. But who doesn't, you know? That's true. Yeah. You know, you put on the song remains the same, and then if you're on shuffle, hot dog comes up next, and it's like, what's going on, man? Anyway, this is a Doors podcast, not a Led Zeppelin podcast. All right, I'll read you some of this review after the show, then. Okay. It's pretty good. No, no, I actually kind of want to hear it on mic now. All right. The Zepp, no one's ever called them that before <laughs> or after this review, of all bands surviving, which is a... I know there was like a weird post-60s huh. thing about that, but they started at the end of the 60s, so... Okay, anyway. Yeah, they don't really um, count that. Of all bands surviving are today. Their music is as ephemeral as Marvel Comics and as vivid as a Technicolor cartoon. It doesn't challenge anybody's intelligence or sensibilities, relying instead on a visceral impact that will ensure absolute stardom for many moons to come. Their albums refine the crude public tools of all dull white blues bands into something awesome in its very insensitive grossness. Like a Cecil B. DeMille epic. Wow. <laughs> huh. That's. I mean, also... 
like a weird review, but fairly kind of accurate. Although then he goes yeah. on to say their live shows are thunderous, a thunderous near undifferentiated tidal wave of sound that doesn't engross but envelops to snuff any possible distraction, which I do not agree with. So like them live are, they they are loud, but they're also really fucking good. Very good, yeah. So yeah, we know we've seen them a bunch of times in Anaheim. That's interesting. The consistent anonymity of most of the songs on Led Zeppelin 3. He thinks it's basically the same as 2, which is kind of true. I think of 2 as being more the same as 1, though, and then 3 as being a step from both of them, but whatever. All right. Cool, Lester. We can talk We can talk Zepp later, Lester. All right. Well, PJ, do you want to take a quick break and uh, come back to go <laughs> track by track through Morrison Hotel? Peter, I think that's a great idea. I found my own true love was on a blue Sunday. She looked at me and told me I was the only one. And welcome back to the 27 Club Fan Club. We're talking about The Doors. Morrison Hotel. Staying a night. I bet that really freaked people out that I came back in after the fucking break. It might be the first time ever. I don't know. Not ever. We've kind of gotten into a rhythm, at least lately, of me always doing the intros and stuff, so... Yeah, you do everything. I do. Maybe sometimes yeah, I do literally talk. everything for this show, PJ. You come to this with nothing except your wit and wisdom about rock music, but you know. Let's get the lead out, baby. <laughs> That's right. Let's get the lead out. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into Morrison Hotel. So Morrison Hotel uh, does well. I mean, I think kind How of. How am actually... I supposed to get into Morrison Hotel if I don't have a credit card to put on file? Oh, they take cash. <laughs> they for sure oh, take cash. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, I actually don't know if it did that much better than Soft... Because Soft Parade did pretty well. It was just critically reviewed awfully. So it went to number four on the Billboard charts. Their one single was You Make Me Real, strangely. Strange single. And to, it only yeah. went to number 50, uh, which makes sense because it's not a very good song. So, yeah, this is one of their... I think this is their only album without, like, a, a chart hit. Um Ooh of any kind, which is kind of weird, but it is, uh, you know, supposed to be better, but we'll see. We will see. We will see. All right. Let's get into track one. So we're in the hard rock cafe. Oh, track one. Sorry. Roadhouse blues, which we've heard before on the show when we talk about what, what brews we're drinking. I didn't know that we don't have anything more to say about the album. No, man, that's it. The Doors, you know, aside from the whole penis flash, they don't got a whole lot going on right now. Jim shaved his beard that he's going to grow back later, I think, so. Yeah, we call it his death beard. Or is he not grown it out yet? I'm kind of, I think he had two beards. Two beards? I think he did, because on this album cover, he doesn't have a beard, but I'm almost positive we saw pictures of him last week, like from that era with beards, so. Okay, 
Interesting. I also have two beards. It's uh, the, the one on my face and my girlfriend. Nice. Uh, track one, Roadhouse Blues. Peter, I think it's time for a little segment we call Roadhouse Brews. Oh, yeah, Roadhouse Brews. What brew are you drinking, Pete? Uh, PJ, right now I'm drinking a, a same, same as last time. I'm drinking a, a beautiful seltzer water. <laughs> Ugh, I know. Boring. Oh. I know. I'm going out later, so I'm I'm trying to uh, not pregame, as as the kids call it. Ah, uh, where are you going later? I'm going to Prost, that bar we went to together, the German one. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to find Peter, he's often at Prost. Yes. If you live in Portland, Oregon. Sure, man. Why not? That's I can't imagine anyone would. I can't imagine that interaction would be anything but just positive. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I am drinking the Hazy IPA Indie Pale from Ska Brewing in Durango, Colorado. The Hazy IPA. Yeah. Do they mean there? Like, is it the Hazy IPA from there, or are they saying it is the definitive Hazy IPA of all Hazy IPAs? My guess is that they couldn't come up with a Ska pun, (laughs) but I don't know. Yeah. Well, so Roadhouse Blues... It's it's the first or at least the most bluesy song uh, we've we've ever heard from the Doors. They they really went full blues. They did, yeah. And uh, you know they have a they called it a blues song. Yeah, that's the right. Title. Yeah. Uh, it honestly sounds like they're having fun, which is kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like they they rarely sound like they're enjoying playing their music. So yeah, it's nice. He, um. So we had <laughs> we had two weeks to listen to this album. I actually wrote notes. Hey, Which I rarely nice. do. Uh, for Roadhouse Blues, I just wrote, great song. Oh, listen to that solo. Yeah, the guitar solo is oh. solid. We get Jim yelling, play it, Robbie, which is... Mm. Yeah. Um, the piano I solo also, I like I like a little yeah, bit. Very good. Um, I like that they kind of moved away from the organ on this album. Not entirely, yeah. but for the most part, I think it's really good. Um, Same. Yeah. That harmonica playing... I don't know who's doing that, but it's really good. It's John Sebastian from The Love and Spoonful. Oh! Playing the harmonica, yeah. And then, also fun fact, Ray Manzarek's piano he's playing here is the piano from Good Vibrations. Wow. Same one, yeah. Um, I really like this song. They brought it back from Brian's house, I guess. They brought it out of the pool and back to the studio. (laughs) Oh, they just did vocals in the pool. They didn't record the piano. No, this was in a uh, sand pit. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, I like this song a lot. I yeah, think it's, it's really good. good. I mean, blues number. Uh, we're. I, I I think I'm gonna say this on every blues song on this album. They're all just the blues, so like it's not particularly inventive, but it's at the very least a different sound for the Doors, which is saying a lot at this point yeah. in their career because they 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 have gotten a little samey, or at least uh, they do not have the most creative songwriting process it seems like so even if this is a pretty standard you know format for a song it's it's at least a new sound which is nice oh i love this part Myself a beer. it's great it is pretty great well move on to waiting for the sun the album we're gonna listen to the whole album waiting for the sun in the middle of this album apparently it's confusing yeah, um, yeah on spotify it my, just says 40 39 minutes next to that song <laughs> yeah, that's crazy um the note i had written for this one was what is this a stones record a good song 
first off, and then a yeah. fucking boring as shit song next. A boring slow song, yeah. I I actually quite like this song. I think it's pretty nice. It was written, by the way, during the Waiting for the Sun sessions, hence the name. I don't know why they sense. wouldn't have renamed it. It seems lazy as shit to just <laughs> keep the same yeah. title. I love the slide guitar here, and I really love like those crazy thick keyboards that are happening. It's very, it's a very cool sound to me. The slide guitar is good, but I like nothing else about this song. Well, kind of like I was just saying, it sounds the exact same as every Doors song, basically, yeah. but it's just got, I think, you know, just because the keyboards are kind of a different sound, I like it a little bit more, but... <laughs> yeah, I just don't like it very much. That's I don't like fair. the the fuzz either. That's what I mean. Yeah, the fuzz keyboard, whatever is yeah. happening there. I think it's pretty cool. It's got kind of an extra oomph to it. A little bit of like a you know, for nineteen seventy, a little bit of like hard rock oomph going on there. Also. He says Waiting for the Sun a lot, and I realize it's the name of the song, but yeah, a little too much, you think? <laughs> it might be a little too much. It kind of seems like maybe he got stalled out writing lyrics. Oh, that could be. Yeah. And this guy's a poet? Right. Well, I'll tell you this much. He's no Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, look, I'm not going to like defend this song with my life, but I, I think it's a solid one. I don't like it. I think it's boring. Well, let's but, go ahead and move on to the lead single from this album, You Make Me Real. Where we flip, because I like this song, and you already said you didn't. Yeah, this song is so, it's like, it's a fun kind of boogie blues song, but it is such a just by-the-numbers boogie blues song, so. And um, as well, even though this is a new sound for The Doors, this actually does kind of sound to me like something they would have released on their first album. Especially because, like, you know, White Dude Blues no was really big in 1966-7, so. I disagree. I think this is recorded so much better and, like, a yeah. lot less douchey than it would have been if they did it on their first album. But, like, the drumming, phenomenal. True. Right? The, the guitar riffs, very good. Yeah. And then when we get into the solo, it's also really good. Um, the, that boogie-woogie piano yeah. is really good. Yeah, yeah, this is good. And then I really like his vocal delivery on this one, yeah. which I don't say about it Jim is, Morrison. It often. is kind of fun just doing like regular like white dude rock, but then Jim Morrison just being very Jim Morrison over the top of it yeah. instead of trying to do like a blues song. Yeah, yeah, or like a blues vocal. Yeah, yeah, I really like this. One. There's something to that for sure. It shouldn't have been the single. Let me say that much. But it's a good song. <laughs> no. I think. No, the yeah, that's I have strong thoughts about what the single should have been, but. Oh, that that piano riff is so good. It is pretty nice. There, I think there's a really good solo on this that I'm waiting for. I'll make you do the same later on for other songs. So. Yeah. I mean, come on, the drumming. Can we say already the drumming on this song? Good or on this entire album? Yeah. Pretty good all the way through. John Densmore figured something out recently. Yeah, Densmore is coming in clutch. I love that solo because it does not sound like Robbie Krieger. Yeah. 
Yeah, Robbie, I mean, uh, we've known this the whole way, but he and Rayman Zarek just continue to be incredible and like, yeah. God, they, um, maybe, look, maybe the doors of that Jim Morrison are going to be really fucking amazing. Because I'm like, I was about to say the only weak part of this band is Jim Morrison. That's true. But I don't know. After, like, I mean, honestly, after Densmore figured musicians. his shit out, right, right. it got pretty good. As long as they keep using great session bass players. Yeah. Alright. Well, now we get to Peace Frog, which absolutely should have been the lead single off this album. In my here's opinion. What I, here's my first note for it. Better than I was expecting for a song called Peace Frog. Yeah. But it's so funky. It's so and funky. And the bass it's, line. Look, they're basically... Like, this is them attacking, like, boogie rock and blues rock, but combining it with the doors, so it's actually, like, an original kind of fresh sound for them and for the blues. It's fantastic. The bass this, this line song is, is really gorgeous. Good. The keyboard groove and, like, the scratchy guitar is really sick. And it's nice that it's before the scratchy wah guitar, because I feel like if this song came out in, like, 1973, they would have just done that. Yeah. But since that sound didn't exist yet, it sounds so much better with just a regular guitar. Here's my opinion. I love funk music. I hate a wah guitar, though, for the <laughs> yeah. most part. I don't love it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this song rules. This is the best song. on. I think, I think yeah. you're right. This should have been the lead single. Although the lyrics are really dark, so maybe that was their thought. Yeah. Like, they're all about blood flowing in the streets kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's not great. Um, also, Krieger pulls out an incredible clean guitar tone again yes. and a great solo on this song. Yeah, who, do you know the, who the session bassist is? I'll look it up. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Oh, and such an incredible solo. It's wildly good. Oh, that... So fucking cool. Yeah, the double track guitar. Oh my yeah. god, it's such which a great we'll, run, man. Which th- we'll hear later. The double track guitar. Yeah. Um, a few times later, I think this is it's done the best on this song. Uh, we have Ray Neapolitan as the bassist on every song except Roadhouse Blues and Maggie McGill. What a name, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this song rules. It's one of the it's best Doors songs, I think, that, that we've we've heard. Alright. We got Blue Sunday. Yeah. Um, it's kinda of fun. Peace Frog does like go straight into Blue Sunday, which is kinda of fun, but then it's also just weird because it's the only song on the whole album that like flows into another song, and so I don't know why they did that. But it's fun, I guess, that they did. Um one of the times that I uh, listened to this album, I was uh, driving like a four-hour drive with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, this was the point where she said, Is this album almost over? <laughs> fair, Melanie. Very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, this is not a good song. I really love this song. I think this is one of their best slow songs that they've released so far, man. I, well, really I really like, like most Doors slow songs. I so. think his voice sounds really good on it, and I really love the guitar lines on it. Again, the clean guitar tone is 
just wildly good. I just don't like Morrison singing like this. I guess. I get. I don't. I don't love it, but I. I think it works. I don't know. I like this one. Well, this is the most we've disagreed on an album from The Doors so far. Yeah, but I feel like our final rating is going to be the exact same. <laughs> it might be exactly. I think the same, we just yeah. like opposite songs here a little bit. Like this guitar, man. This is like the only redeeming part of it, though. Yeah, and even great. then, they've done stuff like this before. Like, this could have been on Waiting for the Sun, and I wouldn't have, like... True. You know. True. It, I mean, it does make a huge difference when you're listening to an album. Like, if the first few songs are good, and you, like, kind of get into a groove with it, then you're, like, a lot more open to hearing songs that you yeah. wouldn't necessarily love. I say that, though, with Waiting for the Sun, the first two songs are fantastic Doors songs, and then the rest of the album And then the rest of the album is bad. Hot yeah. garbage, so it didn't work with that. At least Blue Sunday's short. It's got that going for it, which is nice, but yeah. you know, even a bad right. short song is still a bad song. Well, now we head to the back half, the Morrison Hotel half, with Ship of Fools. Two uh, sea-themed songs in a row. Yeah. The bass? Incredible Phenomenal. bass line, yeah. The first organ we've heard so far on the album? Is that right? I think so. Um, I, I really love this song. So I love that it like starts in the minor key and then the verses, they go to the major key with like those big chord changes. Um, and then during the uh, chorus, get back to a minor key thing. I really love the instrumentation of it. The organ's really, really nice. And then the guitar solo again is fucking incredible. I knocked this in my notes, but like listening to it, it's a really good song. Here comes this guitar maybe solo, I was, baby. Maybe I was thinking of a different song. This one is double tracked as well. Oh, my bad. <laughs> it comes after that riff, but it must be the next yeah. time they get to that riff. Yeah, because they do an organ solo and a guitar solo. Some nice delay there. What I had written down about this song was forgettable, which I disagree with now. Yeah, I think this song is one of the for sure highlights for me on the album. This is another double tracked one. Um, yeah. Fucking Robbie Krieger's auditioning for Steely Dan before they even yeah. exist at this point. It is a crazy guitar solo. It's really fantastic. Now I gotta look up whether Robbie Krieger ever actually played on a Steely because this guitar solo and then the guitar solo on Peace Frog both sound like they should be on Steely Dan songs. Um, I really like the organ riff that's like going all throughout. Yeah. Yeah really good what I really like about the double tracking on this one it's it's double tracked but it's not like parallel double tracked like they mm. 
Yeah. I mean, most of the time when you double track it, the, you play it twice differently, but you try to play it exactly the same. And it sounds like they didn't do that. It sounds like they were right. like, they did it twice and they just did both of them. Yeah. You know, pan left and right, but it's very good. It's a it's a really good production thing. Land Ho. Yeah. Speaking of the Beach Boys, which we've talked about a couple times, like yes, this absolutely sounds like it could be a song off like 2020 or Holland or something to me, like the yeah. slightly later era Beach Boys when they were still well, doing C yeah, themed and it does, music. It even does the thing where it like flows in between a few songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, couldn't you just absolutely hear the Beach Boys doing like doo woppy harmonies behind this yeah. like vocal line and like the circusy like keyboards and stuff like yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly yeah um i really love this song too like this and ship of fools for me were what kind of cracked this album open for me this this duo was really great i like this song i particularly love the end part of it yes agreed yeah it gets better as it goes for sure And it kind of has the same, like... Oh, I love that, by the yeah. way. It has a similar, like, organ riff as Ship of Fools, yeah. but in a way where it's, like, not annoying to me that it's similar. Yeah, it just makes them... Like, I literally... The first time I listened to this album, I was literally like, oh, are we just going to get into, like, a song suite about the ocean or something here? Yeah. Like, it felt like it was just kind of concept album-y, but then they only just do the two, so yeah. it's a little confusing. Also, but. his... Um, like overdriven tone now, yeah. Robbie Krieger's so fucking yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> He's so fucking good, man. It's really fantastic, man. I do have a problem with this lyric. What? What are these ships that only need twenty people to man them? I guess maybe I'm just imagining like really large ships. I guess, but like 20 people does not seem seen like a lot. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I feel Two like there's more than 20. Ship. Oh yeah, well true. That's a great point. Yeah, or 50 uh, weird zombie skeleton people. That's true. Yeah. I love this part. And I like what he does with his voice. If I need to ride my horse down to Old Town Road. <laughs> like, I, yeah. It's not actually that similar, but for some reason, yeah. I just kept hearing that in my head every time I got to this part of the song. But it is really great. I think this is the part that I most was like, oh, this is just a Beach Boys song now. Like, yeah, I don't know. It really sounded Beach Boysy to me. This, it is a very, very good, like, I, I want this part of the song to be kind of its own song. Yeah, right. But I like, also love the rest of the song. I know. Well, I kind of just wish, yeah, like, they had taken this and, like, added a third song and then, like, expanded this a little bit. Like, they just could have done, yeah. you know, like, a half album almost thing with this, I feel like, but. Oh, and maybe the Krieger it here sucked, is just though. fucking dripping all over the track, and it's so good. Listen to him back there. Fuck yeah, Krieger. Do it. 
And then Densmore's killing it the whole time, too, man. Yeah. This song fucking rules. It's very good. It's very, very good. I think Peace Frog, Land Ho, yeah. A-Side, B-Side. And then, just as I was starting to think, oh, is this kind of a concept half of the album or something? We get into The Spy. The Spy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. This is... God, this is saying something for the doors, but possibly the stupidest thing they've ever recorded. Yeah. It is um, so bad. And, like, particularly after Ship of Fools and Land Ho, where you're like, yeah, yeah this, there's only right. been, like, for me, only two bad songs on the album so far. Well, they nothing bad. Like, everything's just been kind of lukewarm if you don't love it, you know? Like, and then this. Yeah, is actively very, very bad. God, someone finally dragged Jim Morris into a James Bond movie and he's like, I'm going to fucking hate it. And they're like, I think you'll like it. And then he was on acid the whole time and was like, the spy. I'm gonna get, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I hear they gave Paul McCartney a song in one of them. That's me next. Yeah, he's a, yes, he yeah, he could see into the future there. Yeah. Um, it's just awful. This is apparently about Pamela Corson, by the way, because he's a spy, because he can like see the, her love or something. I don't know. It's, That's stupid. Oh, yeah, he knows her deepest fears. It's garbage. Um, <laughs> so, I like the piano tone. Sure. But I do yeah. not I do not like anything else on it. Um, There's not a lot positive to say about to, this song. To me, it sounds like a door song, but instead of using an organ... Like an early door song, but instead of using an organ, they're just using piano. Right. And that's the only difference. Um, and it's a really, really bad song. It is. It's like the doors just do not have the capacity as a band to do a like novelty song. Because, like, so the first song in this album, it was like, oh, they sound like they're having fun recording. How nice. We've never heard yeah. that before. So, like, if you barely even sound like you're having fun making a song, then you cannot straight-faced do, like, the Peter Gunn theme with songs about <laughs> your girlfriend's deepest secrets. Like, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, it's, dude, it's... It's really it's terrible. Bad. So, the piano is fantastic, but yeah, every song, good. at least Ray Manzarek or, or Robbie Krieger are doing well. Yeah, Queen of the Highway. I love the intro to this song. The organ is beautiful yes groovy groovy organ yeah, yeah. and the drums are really good on it too and the guitar also very good the vocal take very bad i think <laughs> yeah once this kicks in i don't really even love it as much like but the intro seems to promise like a great song yeah. and then it's not that not as good as it should be this one's also about pamela corson by the way yeah Oh, dude, I love that groovy organ all the way through, though. I like this part. I really love these. No, I don't. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. When it, when it, I think people are strange when you yeah. are strange. Oh. Hmm. Oh wow. <laughs> oh, interesting. They were like, "What if we just did that, but like funky?" <laughs> <laughs> what if we did like a funky? People are funky. Let's call it that. <laughs> what if people are funky? What if my girlfriend was the funky queen of the highway? Yeah. Oh, and then this guitar. Very good. I like this part a lot. Yeah. It's not a bad song. Like, I, I like all this. I just don't love it. I don't know. For some yeah. reason. The intro no, grabs the me 
immediately and then I just kind of don't love the rest, so. The intro is good. I think this middle eight part is really good, but then the verses are just really boring. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it should be faster. Like the intro it starts at a tempo yeah. and then it should kick up the tempo when it actually starts, yeah, but instead they just keep it the same kind of mid-tempo and it's weird. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to Indian Summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about all there is to say. In my notes, I wrote a yawning emoji and then yeah. I put the guitar tone is great. It's boring. It's, I actually, I feel like this song could be really good if it was on like a really great album as just kind of a nice palate cleanser. Like I think there's nothing bad about this song, but just on a hit or miss album, it stands out as a miss. It's to a me. miss, yeah. But like, I think if all the other songs were fantastic, I, it, this one wouldn't bother me very much is I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, I, I think it's solid. The guitar is great, but. At first when I saw um, that there was uh, a song called Indian Summer, I thought immediately of the song Indian Summer by the band Beat Happening, or The Beat Happening. Okay. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if they covered a Doors song. And then that is not what it is. They just wrote a better song with the same name. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't know if this song even goes anywhere for us to keep. No, I and this, this is sounds nice. like it's on the next album. I know you've not heard the next album, I don't think. No. But it's like, this sounds like an outtake from the next album. I kind of like, I, I don't know. I kind of like I this, like but it. like I said, I mean, it's not it's not great, especially in this context. So let's get to... But wait, wait, the guitar tone is what I said was good. Oh, yeah. And it is very good. Very good, clean guitar. Very good, clean guitar. Very good. The guitar. So like Maggie Mill, McGill, man, they get back to the blue, the the boogie rock, and um, I hate the beginning of this song oh, so much. I think this kind of slaps. <laughs> I love the double guitar. There's a, this is maybe the first yes. album where Krieger has recorded like two separate guitar lines. You know, where I was yeah. like, did well, they get a second guitar player? But I, no. And, it, and it's like the same thing with Ship of Fools where it's mm -hmm. like double track, yes. but it's not parallel. Right. It's so like it sounds two different like... things, but similar playing. Yeah. It's kind of the Rolling Stones thing where it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, both of them playing their own riffs in each ear, but it's just the one guy. Um, yeah, I love Because the... the slide guitar is great. I, this yes. is... Yes. Get it on. I love yeah. that part. This song... And I, then when it... Yeah. This song... I, is I feel like what Queen of the Highway like should have been. Like this has the edge yeah. and like groove that Queen of the Highway didn't really deliver on. Yeah. See, I really like that. I and then after that first I guess chorus, yeah. it's good, I think. I just don't really love the beginning, I guess. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, I really love it. This honestly what not to keep bringing up Steely Dan, but this really sounds like a Steely Dan song to me, all in all. Like this could have been off Katie Lied, I feel like. Yeah, uh, everything I'll play about my it, like the kind of yeah. After after this, I'll play my favorite Steely Dan song for you. Sure, I'd love to hear it. Although I don't think we have a Steely Dan esque guitar solo on this song, weirdly. But the rest of it sounds. Yeah. And then the organ, like Rayman Zarek, is impressing me every album, even though he just does organ for the most part. Yeah. But like, I don't know if he's using. I mean, he's always impressive. And then this. Yeah. Oh. 
Fuck, this song rules. It's it's very, very good, yeah. Do you think... Maybe we'll talk about this later. Well, actually, this is the last song on the album, yeah, so we can get talk into about anything now. now. Do you think there's a 10 out of 10 album in this somewhere? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No, I mean, like, very hypothetically... But yeah. it would it would need a lot of changes. Like they'd have to drop for me. They'd have to drop you make me real. They'd have yeah, to drop like Spy and Indian Summer. They would have to significantly revamp Queen of the Highway, and they'd have to expand Land Ho and Ship of Fools. So it's like I think in theory they they like, would have to rewrite a lot of the, the music. Framework. Though. Yeah, I feel like this is the only Doors album we've heard that has actually yes, it, it there it does feel like. There's the promise of it being an incredible album, but they yeah. just because they're the Doors, don't ever quite get there. But yeah, Jim's got to fuck it up somehow. Somehow. So yeah, I, I kind of hear what you're saying. Um, it's well, I guess you... like the the best songs on this. They just there's a depth to this album that I feel like there is not on their other ones, where like yes. it just it it feels like it hints at like both them doing new sounds, them actually like incorporating new sounds with their current sound, like Peace Frog. And like, also writing epics that are more liter or uh, like literary and stuff, like Land Ho yeah. and Ship of Fools, but that actually work and aren't just like navel gazing, um, right. kind of weird poetry stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, there is like an actual maturity and like step forward here. I feel like in their songwriting and recording, but not. It would have to, for the doors, for me at least, it would have to be a pretty huge step forward for you know them to actually start reaching those levels of like a truly great album. But yeah, it does um, feel like yeah that kind of that vibe surrounds this album to to say to put it one yeah. way. Um, yeah, I th- I think you're right. I think you nailed it on the head. I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I th- it's I think great. It's, it's just inconsistent as hell. Is the problem. It, and that's the Doors problem in general, is that mm-hmm. they'll have great songs on an album that are like, but the albums are so inconsistent. And we talked about that last week, but right. like, you know, if they had any, I think you could make a perfect album out of um, this one and Soft Parade. Potentially. I think you could yeah. make a very, very good album. Um, yeah. But all of the instrumentals are good. I mean, Jim is good sometimes, not all yeah. the time. Which is kind of the same thing. Ray right. is always killing it. Krieger's nailing it, and mm-hmm. fucking um, Densmore killing it. Mm-hmm. Just the entire album, particularly Krieger. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Yeah, like what what would it have taken? I don't know for the for the Doors to have like taken that extra step towards I don't know greatness. Maybe yeah. I don't really know. But so yeah, so Morrison Hotel. Um, what would you like to rate Morrison Hotel, PJ? I think a seven out of ten. I was thinking the exact same thing, and it feels yeah. low. But I just I feel like there's some great songs, but the bad songs. Okay, so like the difference between this and like Strange Days, I think yeah. the highs of Strange Days are not as high, but it is definitely more consistent. It's more consistent, and so yeah. but then this one, there's like three to four songs that I just want to skip every time. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Strange Get, Days, I, mean, I can listen all the way through. So yeah. Yeah, like. In my opinion, get rid of Waiting for the Sun, get rid of Blue Sunday, get rid of the Spy. That's a very, very yeah. listenable album. Yeah. And in Summer. 
hand well, cream. Well, you can leave that one on there. Just oh, put okay. it at a different spot. Oh, see, I know? think Waiting for the Sun is a better kind of slow album or slow song than Indian Summer. I, I like Indian Summer better. Not that I like either of them, really. Yeah. But, you know, this is an album that I would buy on vinyl and listen to all the way through. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And I think it might be the first Doors record I can say that for. Interesting. Yeah. May, maybe people are, or not people are strange. Strange Days. Maybe yeah. Strange Days. But this is one where, like, some of the songs I'd be, like, psyched on, you know? Yes. For but sure. I, yeah. I think you're right. I think the highs on Strange Days, or sorry, the highs on this album are a lot higher than Strange Days. But, yeah, the inconsistency is a problem it gets, yeah. with for the Doors. And I, I kind of don't, I agree somewhat with the Rolling Stone, with Lester's review that they like are kind of yeah. just doing the same thing over and over again. I, I see how that's on this album, but I also, I mean, he, I guess he said, like he laid out like the four songs he thought were bad and then he said the rest were pretty good. But like, I think the steps forward are impressive enough to me that if I was like, like as a person who's listening to the doors now, it's like, oh, I'm, I am interested in la woman now because it's like they actually did for the first time i think take some like active steps forward into like new musicality and and everything as a band so yeah it's impressive but yeah well yeah that has uh, been so seven out of ten well first let me show you my favorite steely dance song. oh please oh yeah I was like, I know it's gonna be a joke, but I forget. And then I, I forgot that he sent me this song. This song is obnoxiously very, very good. It's such a good song. But that's kind of how all of... This is Tim Heidecker, right? Yeah. That's kind of how all his comedy stuff is, where it's like, it's also just... Yeah, it's like annoying how good he actually is just as a, yeah, songwriter. Um, It's a hidden track off of Aja. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce that? Asia. Asia? Oh, I've never known. Well, that's a great I one. Spell let's, Asia you know, with let's go out to this, man. But, you know. <laughs> uh, well, PJ, thanks for talking through Morrison Hotel. We're, ex- we're our last Doors episode next week. We're gonna. That's true. We're gonna. We're end... gonna have a special guest. That's right. Very, yeah, very that's special right. guest. Everyone's favorite. So, we'll see so, you uh, next time on yeah. the Twenty Seven Club. Fuck this song rules. This song whips ass. I love it. Brought to you by the Beach Boys Boys. <laughs> so, Can I tell you something, Peter? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Um, I'm looking at our merchandise right now because I thought, oh, I wonder fantastic. if I could find the link to our Teespring. <laughs> and yeah, I don't remember exists, this sure. at all. Well, no, it does. I just didn't know if I oh, knew where gotcha. it was. We have a T-shirt that says Bro Choice on it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our one from the Rolling Stone Studs run? I don't even remember making that. That's wild. Did our is there some AI that like Teespring has that just like <laughs> listened to our show and pulled out Bro Choice somehow? That's really funny. It's excellent though. It's a pink shirt with blue writing and it looks very funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is actually pretty fantastic. Uh, I need to man. I never actually even ever got me one of those one of them Teespring shirts. I need to I need to get one. Have you? Have you? Did you ever? I never did. Um, okay, the only person I'm like, I know who I has know one t-shirts are is um, uh, our our good buddy Paul has a tank top. Uh, okay, well that's not gonna help me. I just want to know: Are they like the really thin, kind of soft, like skinny t-shirts? You know what I mean? I don't. I did that. I feel like all of the t-shirts. This is gonna turn is. into a commercial for. Um, I did premium on all of them, so I think they're all like those nice, like. Um, what? If I go like, to Teespring, oh, oops, I, never mind. Sorry, go ahead. I just sent you the link. Um, Thank you. But you know, if you're looking for a premium shirt with with really like cool shit on the front of it, um, yeah. I I did have uh, everything put in the premium section. Nice. So like, okay. you can go with like a cheap T-shirt, and it's a little oh, bit yeah. cheaper. But you know, seventeen bucks for a bro choice T-shirt. That's not, not bad, bad. No, it's not and bad it's premium. So yeah, what's the premium? So it's a hundred percent cotton. That's good. I don't like the cotton poly blend. Right. No other info, but yeah, it looks nice. Beautiful Anaheim, California. God, this show used to be so much better than it is now. Because <laughs> we did bits. We did better bits. We were. I feel like we were funnier. We. We put more work into it. <laughs> oh, Maybe safety! You put more work safety in. orange is fifty-fifty apparently. What color is safety oh. orange? There's a bright red. It must be that. But I don't think I have any in safety orange. Oh, or... maybe it's yeah. It's just generic. <laughs> Bro choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that means I guess we got to come up with like one t-shirt. <laughs> it's so simple. One t-shirt design for uh, the twenty-seven club. But I, I don't know what. So, um. Anyway, 